from the host that brought you to Coding Westworld. And Westworld the Recapables. Comes the Ringer Prestige TV podcast on Westworld. I'm Joanna Robinson. I'm Danny Heifetz. And I'm David Shoemaker. Welcome to Westworld Season 4 and the Prestige TV podcast feed, where we're going to break down every episode of Westworld Season 4. Every Monday, the day after the show comes out on the Prestige TV podcast feed. Wherever you get your podcasts, but get them on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. All right, it's official. I think I've discovered the ultimate coupling of all time. Like any good relationship, they really balance each other out. One is super sweet, and the other, well, they can be a little nutty sometimes. It is, of course, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. So perfect, some would call it true love. Find Reese's now at a store near you. This episode is brought to you by Priceline. When it comes to travel, we all have that happy place, whether it's the beach, ski slopes, couples getaway, or even a visit to that best friend you haven't seen in way too long. And Priceline wants to get you there for a happy price so you never have to miss a trip. For me, my happy place is in the Mediterranean. I think I've mentioned that. Maybe it's why I like Love Island so much because they're right by the Mediterranean. But I just love the feeling of being in the sea and it's just a great sea. And now, thanks to Priceline's VIP family feature, you can go to your happy place more often while earning deals up to five times faster with a group. When one person from the squad travels, everyone gets more deals. And you even get to choose your crew. It doesn't have to be your actual family. It could be your neighbor, your roommate, your mailman, anyone. The more you travel, the more you save. And for me, I'd love to go on a trip to the Mediterranean with friends. In fact, I might be doing that in the near future. I have done it before, And it was really some of the most fun I've ever had. I went to Sicily. We had some great swimming there, me and my friends. Anyway, if you want to have a similar experience, download the Priceline app today to save up to 60% off select hotels and go to your happy price with Priceline. Welcome to Bachelor Party. I'm Juliette Littman. If you've been listening for a while, which thank you if you have, you probably know I love Vanderpump Rules, or I did in the glory days. And yesterday, a bombshell story dropped from the Los Angeles Times, written by Amy Kaufman, who co-wrote with Meg James this blockbuster about Randall Emmett for the Los Angeles Times. And as a result, had to get Amy on the pod. So Amy, welcome. How are you? Thank you, Julia. It's good to be here. It's crazy to talk to you not about something Bachelor related, although I'm sure we'll get there eventually. Yeah, we're going to talk Batch at the end, do some hypothesizing. Um, But so, Amy, you and Meg did this really long reported piece about the man known to me as Rand. He'll always just be Rand to me, but you may know him as Randall Emmett. I think the world will probably start calling him Randall Emmett. And it basically exposed a lot about his shady empire. And I want to dig into the story. But my first question for you, you also co-authored the recent LA Times story about Bruce Willis's aphasia, which he, as as a result, has now retired. The two stories are intertwined. Which did you start reporting first? I was dying to know. We started reporting Randall first. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I can say a little bit about that in that um, I think we've already put it out there, Meg and I, that... Basically, um, you know, we spent a couple of weeks like specifically making calls about the Bruce situation before that Bruce story came out. Mm -hmm. Um, And then before we were ready to 
before we had written it, um, Bruce's family announced that he had aphasia and we, which I'm very glad it happened that way because I, I, you know, they had their own, um, chance to, to describe what was going on. And, you know, I, I was never looking to, to out anyone. Obviously I think, um, both of the stories, this one and the one about Randall, which also mentions Bruce. Yeah. Um, that's why I asked because and yeah. I probably should have said what the story really says, which we will do in a second, but that's why I asked because the Bruce Willis sto- aspect of it was so noteworthy. Right. Yeah. So basically like, um, to, to, to give it a little context, like they both describe the stories, both describe different people in the film industry, including Randall Emmett, who have worked with Bruce in the midst of um, him having declining um, cognitive health. And so, um, you know, when we started hearing that this was going on, we made a lot of calls on it. His his team announced it. And then we wrote a story specifically about Bruce, just because we felt like, you know, we took a pause on the Randall stuff and felt like this is a, something we want to, you know, tell readers about. and. Um, Randall deserves, um, you know, his own scrutiny. And so, um, we wanted to write about Bruce separately first and we did. And, and, um, we have no idea if, why they announced it, you know, we never got confirmation that they did it because they knew our story was coming. All we know is we had made a lot of calls about it. And so it, the timing just coincided that way. And I assume you had to call Bruce Willis's representation for comment, right? On both of them, yes. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Gotcha. All right, we're going to come back to Bruce Willis. I'm sorry I deviated, but I was just dying to know about that. Let's talk about Rand. So, um, Randall Emmett was engaged to Lala Kent, a- a.k.a. at Give Them Lala on Instagram. Um, and that is, like, how Rand became famous to me. Amy, were you aware of Rand before Vanderpump Rules? Um, let me think about that. I guess... Yes, I was like, like I knew the name. I would definitely not have known what he looked like. How long have you been at the LA Times as an entertainment reporter? Since 2009. So yeah, that's like a pretty, it's like, I feel like Rand, you know, some of his exploits as described in yesterday's piece must have been happening while you're already there. So I, it would, it would reason that you maybe had heard of him. Right. And in like the 2000, in 2012, 2013, 13, I mean, as part of the story, you know, he's, he was a prolific uh, filmmaker. Like his, he was a producer on dozens of movies. And so I think like you just, when you're looking at credits and stuff and like I covered box office for a while, like you just see his name come up over and over again. And then I remember actually um, that <laughs> I was at Cannes covering for the paper. Like, I don't know what year it was. It was the year Rocket Man played there. And I was writing this story on, it was basically like a concierge company that um, th- what they did was any tourist from any country who came to the festival and wanted to get into like parties or cool premieres or go on yachts or whatever, um, they would help you like get in access to those. And so as part of it, their, their like kickoff events, I feel like was this thing on a, a yacht and I went and Lala and Randall were on, were at that party, but I like, wasn't a big <laughs> Vanderbilt person at the time. So I was like, they had just, I think they were maybe newly engaged. And I was like, huh, it was just like a spectacle around them. That was, so that was the only time I've actually seen him in person. Are you a Vanderpump watcher now? For the story, I did become one, but I actually had not been before. No. Uh, yeah. Interesting. Well, so how much did you watch? Like, what was your, what was your approach to watching Vanderpump Rules to get the essence of brand? 
Uh, I mean, it was hard because, as you know, Rand Rand has not actually no. been on it that much. He also he couldn't be named for several years because of his. Or I don't know if he couldn't be, but he wasn't willing to be named because he was still married, as your article also mentions. Yeah, um, he couldn't be named, and so like there were times when Lala was discussing her secret boyfriend, but you know, denying or like, you know, making it a mystery who it was. And then he finally came on in the last two seasons, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The last two seasons. And so I would, I'm not going to say I fast forwarded episodes to look for him, you know, (laughs) but like I may not have paid full attention to every minute of the episodes. I'm not going to lie. Vanderpump, it does not catch me the way some of our other favorite reality shows do. The early days of Vanderpump were lightning in a bottle. It's just a totally, totally different era. I mean, it started in what, 2013 or 12? I can't remember exactly. Why do you think it's changed? Like, what don't you like about it as much? Well, they're famous. At the time, they were not famous. And like when Lala arrived, she was like, and she came in probably like season five or six. Uh, Actually, must have been earlier than that because I was still working at ESPN. But anyway, at the beginning of Vanderpump Rules, it was like truly aspirational people who you had a lot in common with like, and that being like, you know, anyone who moves to a big city to in pursuit of like their dreams. Right. And it's like, yeah. they lived in like disgusting apartments, like literally disgusting. Like when, when, um, Kristen and Tom were together, their apartment was like filthy. Like they'd have like so many dishes in the sink and it was disgusting. And they were like, just this friend group that fought and like treated each other like family. Like it was actually very reminiscent of like what it's like to be, you know, in your, in your twenties, like trying to make it whatever making it looks like to you. And so it was like, in some ways really genuine and authentic at the beginning. And then as they got famous because they all wanted to be famous anyway, it really just spun into a different creature. Um, right. And, you know, Stassi, uh, while controversial was very entertaining. And I, you know, she, what she, some of the shit that she and Kristen did is like in no way defensible, but like, were they entertaining on TV? Yeah. So when she left the show, I think they like, they, they lost, um, their best narrator. Uh, but I also will just say like, the reason I asked you is because Rand was like this mystical, mythical figure, figure around the show. Lala started out as an, as a outsider who like had issues with different people. And then now she's like central to the group. And <laughs> when Rand finally joined the show, I like always thought he was like going to be gross and I have no evidence of this, but I always just, he always struck me as someone who seemed like he was involved in shady, shady, uh, activities. And I was like, is he in the mafia? Like what's going on with this guy? Like he always seemed like there was something nefarious happening. What made you think that? Um, just based on like, (laughs) I feel like you're interviewing me about Rand now. (laughs) I, I thought that because what Lala used to say about him is that he had so much money and he would like fly her different places on the quote PJ, the private jet. Yeah. And it, it just didn't seem real. I think because then I would like go to his IMDb and I would look at his credits and I was like, what are these movies? Like it just, it seemed really fake to me. Um, but you probably then, did more research than a lot of viewers. Like I, I, I'm asking because I wonder like what, you know, if viewers sort of thought he was like how he was described, like this just like high flying producer who went in PJs and, and was a multimillionaire. Yeah, it just like it just didn't add up when I looked at his credits. And then like when you would try to find out about him, I was just like, who is this guy? Like he just didn't make sense to me. Um, and then when he finally joined the show, like two years ago, I was like, wait, I love Rand. He seems fun. Uh and so I was like really into him for a while. And then I quickly, quickly turned on him and um 
you know, I think cheating on your on your spouse or your partner right after they've had a child is is uh, really tough. So, you know, and then the other things that you revealed in the story, including how he would trade sexual favors for acting roles with um, actresses, and um, he seems, you know, he would uh, also just like try to pay women off for their silence is obviously like despicable behavior. So. But he really, when I reached out to you, I said he's like really like a cult figure in the in like the Vanderpump Rules space because of the way he was not on the show for so long, but like alluded to. Did you talk to other Vanderpump like insiders, whether it's the cast or just producers, um, in the course of your reporting? Um, there were. I mean, I think there are people around that world who we had to get a sense of um, his involvement in that world, but. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, it was also like important to me to convey in the story. And this is something I kept bringing up with the editors because it's, we are such a, um, you know, um, this, the, the section of the story was published and it's called company town. So it's, it's very industry centric, very, uh, you know, film heavy a lot of times. And because he has so many credits, it seems like, well, of course that's what he's known for. And I just kept reiterating guys, I really think that we need to emphasize the Vanderpump Rules connection because one, Lala is extremely popular and what's gone on between them in the last few months has been very highly publicized. But two, like being on a reality show was like, like I said before, like the first time people physically saw this guy, like you don't really know producers that much. Like how many producers could you name off the top of your head from Hollywood? Um, But he had a reality TV appearance. So that just like, added to it. And so I just wanted to make sure, like, I know it seems weird that he was on this reality show, but like, I think that's how most people in the public actually know him. Oh, definitely. Absolutely. Uh, at least was for me. And how was like, how did your editors respond to that? I mean, Vanderpump is just real, a real world of its own. Yeah. I mean, I think it it got in there. We literally have a line. I think that the public mostly knows him for Vanderpump rules, maybe more than his films that he's produced yeah but um it can be hard to just be like to justify you're like but he's just on two seasons a few episodes of the show versus he's made all these movies you know it doesn't it's not maybe uh an obvious like thing but but like you said people are obsessed with and as the reaction yesterday to the story like it was all the bravo fan accounts who were who were going wild over some of the info and making memes already and stuff that's how it came to me through the bravo world the, the passion of the Bravo fans is unmatched. Truly. <laughs> I just want you to know I was already a, a Los Angeles Times subscriber like before this. So just, want, just wanted to be on the record because uh, this you. article is behind the paywall, but it's worth it. Check it out, people. Yes. If anyone is not to sound like an, a bitter whatever, but I did see that the Vanderpump Rules Reddit posted, you know, a, a legal, not a legal, a, a, a behind the paywall version of this and everyone's complaining about having to pay for it. But not to be, you know, like this is something we worked on for four months. And if you want to read it that badly, I would hope you consider paying $1 for six months to the paper. You don't have to keep reading it, but like, we can't do this kind of stories unless people do pay for them. Yeah. So seriously, you need a legal team behind you. Um, <laughs> on that note, you said you've worked on this for four months. Why did you start working on this? So it actually, I mean, I was, we spent four months working on it, but I had heard things about Randall Emmett for years, um, going back to the beginnings of the Me Too movement, uh, which was 2017, the fall of 2017, you know, and I'd heard some rumblings and around that time, as you know, 
so many um, tips were coming in about guys in Hollywood and, you know, allegations of misconduct. And it seemed like every week there was a different person um, being exposed. And I was writing a lot of those stories. And so I think, um, you know, I, I knew that that tip was out there. I just never had a chance to really look into it. Um, and then last summer, actually, my co-writer, Meg, um, got a tip about um, some lawsuits that were involving Randall. And so she started, you know, sniffing around. And then a few months ago, another tip came our way and we thought, you know what, it's time to really to follow up on all these whispers that we've heard about. Interesting. Yeah. Um one thing about Rand that I've always found really weird and pointed to, especially like a few years ago, and this was like actually more relevant, was how he bought MoviePass. Like when MoviePass was going out of business after it was just the ability to um, see an infinite number of movies for a set fee per month. Like he yeah. bought MoviePass and that, that like he basically bought the brand and then it was supposed to become like a, a production shingle. How did he do you have a sense of how he made his business decisions, he and his partner, to the extent that like there was any actual logic behind it? Oh, this is why I wish I tried to get convinced Meg to come on this with me because Meg handled all the business elements. Got it. Um, the all right. story mostly. But she, you know, um, what can I say about that? Like I'm I'm not even like trying to hide anything, I'm just like, oh no, I un- I understand. I just yeah. always thought it was so weird. I was just like, why did Rand? buy this <laughs> i mean i assume that i don't know i don't know the answer to that to be honest <laughs> that is so he's just such a, a i don't know i mean obviously a bad guy but also such a, just a, a interesting person do you feel like I you say like i think he i think from what we learned in our reporting he definitely had aspirations to to be more than just like the producer of action, what people would call like B-list or straight to DVD movies, which is a lot of what um, he and his business partner, George Furla started out producing. Like, right. you know, I think he wanted to be a big time Hollywood mogul. He wanted to have his name on, on movies that um, maybe were taken more seriously, critically like Lone Survivor and Everest and eventually the Irishman. And I think, you know, that's, that's part of why uh, in the story we talk about quickly, he, he gave part of the financing. He helped come up with part of the financing for that Scorsese movie silence, which had Andrew Garfield and Adam driver in it a few years ago. It wasn't that widely seen. It was like kind of about, it had tough subject matter for, for general audience. Um, But Scorsese, it was a passion project of his. He could not get it made. He was looking for financing for years and years and Randall and George Furla came in at the very you know last minute and said, I think we can do this um, and convinced Scorsese, Scorsese to go with him to um, Cannes, which is where you kind of like, I know we think of Cannes as like red carpets in the premieres, mm-hmm. but it, there's also a big market there. So like right. you'll meet with different um, foreign distributors and financiers and, and like do pre-sales it's called. So basically like you get money from them if they agree to distribute something. Uh, when it comes out in their country. Right, um, right, right. Yeah. And so Scorsese did that and basically convinced, you know, got the final, the final um, money he needed. And as part of Randall, like helping push that movie over the finish line, he got to be a producer on The Irishman, which as we know, was a huge success, big, yeah. big Oscar nominated film. And like Randall 
from by all accounts, really relished in the success of that movie. I mean, he has it in his Instagram bio. It was in his um, email signature for a long time. And so like, that was the one he highlighted, even though he's made, however, you know, over a hundred films. So, so crazy. Yeah. It's just like, so nuts. Um, did you speak with Lala? I did speak with Lala. Yes. What was she like? I've never talked to her. Yeah. I mean, I, um, I really respect Lala and I think, um, I found her really credible. Of course, anyone we included in the story, we, we, we vetted and vouched for, and there's a lot at, um, she's a lot on the line with this and she and her Randall, I think are still, um, going through custody proceedings. Yeah. Basically, you know, she, um, after the Nashville photos came out where, um, people thought he might be cheating on her, even though he denies that in like October of last year. Yeah. Um, you know, she, she left him and then she's been raising, uh, she and she and Randall have like their custody battle isn't settled yet, but for now it's like temporary, temporarily split. So their daughter ocean goes back and forth. And I don't think it's any secret that, you know, she probably, she wants the best outcome in that situation. So a lot of people are his Randall's whole response to the article was that, you know, he only issued one general statement about every allegation we brought to him. Um, which was that this was a smear campaign by Lala, mm-hmm. which is interesting when you look at it because, you know, a lot of the allegations in the story like predate Lala. Um, yeah, absolutely. Or are, have to do with financiers or lawsuit, you know, lawsuits brought by them. And so um, he just likes to blame everything on her. Um, yeah. He also seen, he, I, one of the impressions I got from him from this piece, which like, you know, I, I think this kind of speaks to the dangers of reality TV, because as I said a few minutes ago, I thought Rand seemed fun when I watched <laughs> Vanderbilt Rules. I was like, oh, cool. He wants to play tennis in Palm Springs. Sure. That's pickleball. Like a good sport. Yeah. Sorry. Pickleball. My bad. <laughs> um, <laughs> but the story from his former assistant, G-Blay, the stories he told um, were really disturbing. And... Um, you know, he's, he basically spoke about how Rand like sent him to, to essentially pick up some cocaine and like transport it for him. Um, and you know, like putting other people at risk like that is just like so shitty, not to mention illegal. And I, I, it did make me think about like how much, um, entertainment and reality TV in particular, like do, so much reputational damage control for people, even, even for people who, for whom like they also suffer, like they also allow you to, because usually the tone, at least on Bravo shows is so lighthearted. It like, even the worst stories about Rand sometimes I'm like, eh, well, this is the guy that I saw playing pickleball. And it's like hard, it's hard to like make those stories sync up with each other. Right. Well, that's all conscious, right? Like someone is presenting a certain version of themselves to the world um, on reality TV, on Instagram, whatever it is. And even with the assistance. I mean, now you live in New York, but you were in LA for a long time. And I'm sure you know friends who have worked in the entertainment industry and started the mail rooms or started as assistants. Like I certainly had plenty of roommates who were in that situation and heard stories that like galled me at the time of how they were on Valentine's day asked to go like pick yeah. out lingerie for their boss's girlfriend or something. And like, they barely were blinking an eye when they were telling me this stuff. And I was like, wait, what? Like, I can't imagine that. And then, you know, with this story, a lot of the assistants actually had initially, they're like, well, I just don't, I don't want to seem like a, a crybaby or like I, I wasn't tough enough because there's definitely this attitude in um, the entertainment industry of like, all right, buck up. This is like 
is you got to do whatever your boss wants. But like, as you say, the stuff that um, Randall was allegedly making his assistants do is not just uh, pick up my ice cream sandwich yeah. that I like have a special hankering for. It was like, please go pick something for my safe. Oh, by the way, it happens to be cocaine or bricks of cocaine. Yeah. Yeah. Go pay a woman that I um, allegedly had a affair with. Like, can you imagine your boss asking you to do those things? No, my, my boss would never. So I, ca- <laughs> I cannot. And also I, I would not. I, I like to think, although, you know, when you have a job and if you need your job, you're going to a lot of people right. like, do whatever to like, keep it. Yeah. 21 just got to LA. Like, I, I mean, it's, I hope that people don't feel like I mean, that's part of why we wanted to tell this story because like I, that, that idea that like, you just got to do whatever to, to get ahead. I hope that that starts to change. Yeah, absolutely. Um, did you have any interaction with Bravo in the course of reporting this story? Um, I don't think we had any official interaction with Bravo. No. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, they're then, not filming Vanderpump rules right now. They're starting, I believe um, next month. So. Right. I wonder if it'll be addressed. I would think so. Um, I think Alala probably would bring it up and also want it to be addressed. Well, right. Like, don't they go through like what's going on in people's lives? And yes, even if it wasn't the article, like she's in the middle of a custody battle and I'm sure this will factor in somehow. So yeah, we shall see. No, it's it's definitely true. Um, I don't know. I didn't watch the last season. I just have, I just don't like, I don't enjoy the show anymore. Now they're so famous and also like just, I think a combination of fame and COVID has made it so they can't really like do stuff without it being like secluded or like a totally rented out bar. Like they're just not right. normal they, they, anymore. Like, themed parties now, right? Yeah. They just yes. kind of, like, go to each other's house and whatever. You watch Housewives, right? Yes, of course. Um, I mean, are how many more like just dinners at like one person's house can we possibly have on Housewives? I feel like that's all it's been for like two years. Right. And they have very, like, I think that's what makes it, what makes that like still juicy is because of just like what strong personalities they have. But I'm not sure. I know, you know, Vanderpump, they have strong personalities, but it's not, it's just not quite the same to me. I think with the Vanderpump people, they, a lot of them still have a hope that this will lead to something else. Like, that's definitely true for the Toms um, and some others. And, I think and they're Met- opening a new place, the Toms. Yes, in Hollywood. Yeah. Yes. Um, it's called Tom, It's called Schwartz and Sandy's. Much, much uh, contested title. But the Housewives view that as their job. So I think they, like, really bring it. Whereas the Vanderpump people, I think it's more complicated because mm. they, like, still view it as like some some sort of like oh this is like that's an interesting gig. point like yeah they want it or, to lead to something else yeah but like kyle richards and lisa rinna like this is what they do like they're on tv right so it's it's their job basically it really is this episode is brought to you by reese's peanut butter cups all right it's official i think i've discovered the ultimate coupling of all time like any good relationship they really balance each other out one is super sweet and the other Well, they can be a little nutty sometimes. It is, of course, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. So perfect, some would call it true love. Find Reese's now at a store near you. This episode is brought to you by eBay Authenticity Guarantee. eBay knows that when it comes to jewelry, authenticity is the real gem. When you see the blue check mark that says Authenticity Guarantee, It means your next piece will be carefully inspired by jewelry experts and will always be worth its weight in gold. Whether you're looking to make a statement or build the perfect everyday look, eBay is making sure you get the real deal. 
With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that jaw-dropping piece will always arrive jaw-droppingly real. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Um, Amy, are you excited for two bachelorettes? I know that you're a bachelor scholar. How are you feeling about this season of Gabby and Rachel? Uh, let's see. I mean, I feel like they don't listen. Like, you know that at this point, like I, I'm so used to something coming across as like totally fine and great and a bachelor bachelorette, like loving their experience. And then what, like literally a year later when the contract is up that they were like, that was hell or I wasn't presented right or whatever. Mm -hmm. And like, so at the moment, I think the both of them seem like, no, like this is, this was empowering and we really are best friends. And I think it was amazing, but could they be singing a different tune down the line? I don't know. Like they'd seem a little, maybe like I sense a a hint of resentment that they had to do it this way. Am I crazy? I don't know. I think they really like each other. Um, I think that the, the styling of them so far has been really weird. Uh, the same dresses and different cuts. Yeah. And I think that like the dresses don't look particularly good on either of them, but I haven't seen a flattering photo of Rachel yet. Who's like, you know, clearly like a, a beautiful woman and, and whatever, like, I don't think that needs to be said. I just, I'm like, are they actually thinking about what's best for these women when they're putting them front and center? Cause I, I find that like really weird. Also, do they like, do Rachel and Gabby like this, this styling so far? I don't know. The, the PR campaign has been really weird. I always, you know, I've been told that it's not true that the bachelorette has a lower budget than the bachelor. Um, but it's just like so hard to believe like you just because based on just the aesthetics alone and like what they do and where they go like you know there's the there's the rumor floating around i don't know if you've heard this that um a lot of it is going to be on like a yeah like a cruise i don't know if it's i don't think it's a yacht but cruise yeah ship. that is that's cheap that's a cheap way to do the show that's what how, it is how much of the show could be on a cruise a cru- is it a real it's not a real full size cruise ship it would be like a big boat or something what's the deal it's the titanic they went down to the bottom of the ocean and got it um they're, like, Spears so they're just like on different level but like today we're doing the like water the water park portion of the date and we're like in a movie theater is that what you're saying it's just like all centralized i guess so i i don't know i mean the other thing is we've been talking about this at every opportunity it's not enough guys so like will there be more men that we're not aware of like it's just it just seems weird i i personally think for Rachel and Gabby, I don't know what I don't know what kind of um, edit and storytelling there there will be, but I actually think it would be better to do this with someone else than alone because all of the leads talk about how much how isolating it is and like how you really like lose your bearings and the producers just like become like your only people, and so I think it actually would probably be refreshing to have like a co pilot who's going through it at the same time, like someone else who gets it. Yes, that's a good point. I, I agree with you, and like we'll. Um, how much are we going to get to see them being like, oh, he was hot or like, oh my God, girl, it went so well. Like, I would love to have that kind of thing. Me too. Yeah. We want yeah. girl talk. Yes, for sure. Instead of the <laughs> weird moment, moments when it was um, like Caitlin or uh, Tasha going back, no shade to them. It's just like, 
it felt forced when they were being like, so how did it go? Like, I, I think if you're not in the city, they're removed. They were in that situation a few years back where like going through it simultaneously will definitely give them more a level of comfort, I think, in dishing. Totally. By the way, yeah. we shade Tasha and, T- and Caitlin here all the time for being bad hosts. So don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> did you see Caitlin was like, I was really surprised to not be asked. Yes, I did. There's a lot of rumors on uh, Bachelor Reddit also that that Jason and Caitlin are are having some rough patches because they just like really want different things. I'm a little I'm a tiny bit worried about them. Um, I really like them both, but I, I hope it works out. But yes, Caitlin was, was that on the based off of just like their Instagram presence. I think they did an interview recently where they talked about uh, what kind of wedding they want, like how much and like how much money they want to spend on it. You know, Jason's thing is like like radical transparency with his finances. Um, <laughs> so I don't know if you know that, but they it is. Break up over how much money they want to spend on the wedding. No, but I, this is just like Reddit brain because I I actually didn't listen to it, but um, I think they are they are like rather different. I just. I'm just curious about her visa. Like when you're an independent contractor like her, how do you get a visa to stay in the U.S.? She's still not a citizen. I don't know. How would she become a citizen? What's her path of citizenship? Are you <laughs> saying she wants to be in a green card marriage? <laughs> no, I'm not. I just genuinely don't get it. Like, how is she able to live in Nashville? I don't I don't understand. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. It's a legit question. I have to ask her or something or maybe you can research it for me. But to, to your, I think there's just like this overarching fear about the two women being played against each other and like setting back the women's movement. You know, I think there's plenty of other things that happening in this country, setting back the women's movement, but I don't really have that concern. I think that actually, I think it seems net positive for them to have like a a pal through it. Hopefully they still like each other, but I don't know. I think that seems ideal actually, but I also, you know, I like friends. It also depends if they, if they really have like different tastes. Did you, are you a love Island person? Um, so Callie, my co-host on, uh, for recaps, which she'll be back for, uh, Mondays starting on July 11th, of course, she's really into it. So I've been watching cause I want to like, you know, in, in the spirit of Gabby and Rachel, I want to be a, a good partner in, in crime. So I've been watching it lately. Uh, and I had to watch it like in fits and starts. The thing is when I watch British TV shows, I find it so soothing that I always fall asleep. Like always. <laughs> So it doesn't matter which the show is. Love Island, Call the Midwife, another fave of mine. Like, I always fall asleep. So I'm watching it, like, incredibly slowly, which, as you know, the volume of Love Island is so high that a slow clip is really a problem. Wow. That's... I've never heard of anyone who's just like, I'll put on Love Island, pass out. Um, That's amazing. Yeah. But why did I bring this up? Oh, because I think on Love Island, when they are explicitly, like much more able to go for the same dude if both of them are attracted, but like it doesn't usually end up that they're too mad at each other. Like even if they're initially upset that someone went for someone they like, like the, the friendship always sort of like, at least on TV sorts to like wins out in the end. And that's cute. I, I don't like, I would hope that, I don't know. I don't know if that that's possible for this. Like that's, that's the risk, right. That, that they like, I can't imagine one of them being like, well, I like him too, but like, you know, like, like you should really go for it, girl. Or like, like, how is that? I, I, I know. Hope they have different tastes. I hope they have genuinely different tastes. I know. Which like, why would they, if they were both into horrible Clayton? Well, he's not horrible, but not for me. Well, they, they didn't really have a choice with Clayton. No, no. And, and of course you talk yourself into it. I, I think one thing that would be that, that helps Love Island that maybe The Bachelor can borrow when I've kind of been talking about this for a while the stakes of Love Island are actually incredibly low. Like it's not that much money after taxes. I mean, I don't want to like poo poo it, but it's not like retirement money. 
No. Um, the couples, like, they don't get engaged at the end. They're just dating, right? Like, yeah. I think shows when the stakes are lower are a lot easier to believe and also probably less pressure for the um, contestants. Totally. Yeah. And I mean, I, I, I'm anything where you get like more time with the person that you're dating. Like it's bachelor in paradise, like levels of, of exposure with the person. Although even bachelor in paradise is short, much shorter, I think than love Island, but like, of course you're going to make a, a more sustainable connection if you have the chance to like suss it out practically. But that was sort of the whole like conceit of the bachelor was like, listen, this is what you got this amount of time and this competition level and hope you make the right choice. And that's the gamble you take. And that's why it's interesting. Right. Yeah. I, I, um, I'm really curious for the season to start. I I'm like, I think I'm going to be super into it because I just, hopefully we won't know what to expect, but fingers crossed, Amy. Um, thank you so much for joining me to talk about Rand, the man you call Randall Emmett and will always be Rand to me. Check out Amy's article in the Los Angeles times. If you haven't already, if you liked this Bravo talk, we've got a lot more for you on the ringer reality TV feed. Rachel Lindsay hosts the show every Friday with my colleagues. It's a rotating crew. It's me. It's Callie. It's Jody. It's Amelia. It's Chelsea. It's a, it's a great time. So check that out. Um, and I will be back next week. We're getting really close. July 11th the show is back. Have a great <laughs> holiday weekend, everybody. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.